It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Got it! Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11-yard touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, giving you a chance to win today. We've got a four-pack of tickets to go see the Mastodons take on the Wright State Raiders. A huge game in the Horizon League. The Dons trying to improve to 5-0 in Horizon League action all alone. On the top of the standings and improved to 14-2 overall. They take on a team that was picked to finish third in the league and a team that twice over the last six years has won the Horizon League tournament and played in the NCAA tourney. Uh, so it will be a big one coming up on Saturday, 1 o'clock, the tip. And we've got a chance for you to pick up a four-pack of tickets in the suites on uh, Saturday afternoon. If you'd like to win those, just text Raiders. To 46862. And coming up about 45 minutes from now, we will randomly select one winner among all the entries we receive. So text Raiders because it's the right state Raiders. Uh, text Raiders, R A I D E R S, to 46862, and you will be in today's drawing. If you don't win, by the way, make sure you catch. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, tomorrow morning, or the Sports Rush tomorrow afternoon. We've got more four-packs of tickets to give away to see the Dons and the Raiders. I don't know why it just comes Yeah, I up. don't know. It's like it's a West Coast team. And There's like we're a going cartoon like... <laughs> character in my head that just Raiders. All right, so uh, big game coming up on Monday night. Yeah. Wolverines, Washington. Um, I think this is pretty clear cut. Washington hasn't seen a defense anywhere near the level of Michigan's defense. And I think if Michigan puts pressure on Michael Penix Jr. and displaces him from the pocket, I think he throws off the timing, he throws off the accuracy, or they throw off the accuracy, I think they've got a chance to make it a very difficult day for Michael Penix Jr. Because where he's been his best this year is when he can take, you know, that three-step drop, plant, and throw. And if he takes that three steps and he's got pressure coming right up the middle and has to scramble, it disrupts the timing of the play, disrupts the routes. Uh, and so I think that the, uh, the the Wolverines just have to, to put on that same type of defensive pressure that they put on uh, Milrow from Alabama. And uh, I think Michigan will win this game. In fact, I think Michigan has a chance to win this game by a couple of scores. But we'll see. Uh, we, uh, you know, uh, one common opponent, 
right? Mm -hmm. They both played Michigan State. Washington at home beat Michigan State 41-7. Michigan on the road beat Michigan State 49-0. So if you go by common opponent, you got about a two-score difference there. Uh, That's about what I think this game is going to be. What's the line on it? I would guess Michigan's going to be a four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I'll let you look because I haven't yet. Yeah, I'm just I'm just want to find a credible site here. A lot of quality uh, airtime here. <laughs> <laughs> Adam is now typing just to keep you up to here date. Here we go. Um, Michigan minus four and a half. Four and a half. Okay, so I was pretty close. Yeah. Four and a half, five and a half. Um, all right, so uh, I yeah, I think you've just got to get Penix off his spot. I don't have any fear uh, of Washington's run game against that Michigan defense. I don't think they'll be able to run the football. The only chance Washington will have is if they can pass it. And the only thing I think they can do if they pass it is three-step drop, release it. And if Michigan can beat uh, Washington at the line of scrimmage, get in the backfield, disrupt the timing and the positioning of Penix. Because Penix is very good at shifting in the pocket and still getting the ball out on time. You know, he can shift a little bit right, a little bit left. But if you get pressure to where he has to truly scramble, then I think it's an advantage Michigan, huge advantage Michigan. And I do think Michigan's going to score against Washington. Uh, I mean, I I think Michigan's got a chance to put up 30-plus. Can Washington score 30 against that Michigan defense? That's why I think it's a chance to be a two-score game because I could see this game ending up being something like, uh, 31 to to 20 or 38 to 23, you know, something like that. The over-under is set at 55 and a half. Okay, so the two scores I just gave. Pretty close. 31, what I say, 31, 20? Yep, that would be under. That would be 51 points. And then I said, or like 38-23, that would be 61 points. The split on that is 56, okay? So the two scores I just gave you basically average out to about 56 for total points. And the over-under is what? 55 and a half. Uh, okay, just call me <laughs> call me Mr. Vegas, or maybe that name's already that taken. That name is taken. Yeah, it's taken. One of our listeners already has that. <laughs> 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Speaking of Michigan, hey, did you see this? Nicole Auerbach put this out earlier today. Um, She works for the Big Ten Network and covers uh, Big Ten football. And uh, apparently, J.J. McCarthy was asked about the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. And uh, this is the quote attributed to J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I feel like it's so unfortunate because there's probably, uh, I don't want to say a crazy number, but I'd say a good number. 80% of teams in college football that steal signs. 80%. Okay, so he didn't want to get outrageous, but he did say 80% of teams in college football steal signs. It's just a thing about football. It's been around for years. Then he went on, and this is where it gets interesting. We actually had to adapt because in 2020 or 2019, he wasn't even there then, was he? 2020 or 2019, when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, and they were doing it, 
uh, we had to get up to that level that they were at. Had to make it an even playing field. Uh, so, yeah, kind of an interesting comment by J.J. McCarthy. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Also, uh, Notre Dame fans, your beloved former coach, Brian Kelly, has uh, basically found who is guilty of LSU falling short of expectations this year, and it is everyone on the staff that coaches defense. Earlier today, Brian Kelly met with Matt House, Kerry Cooks, Robert Steeples, and Jimmy Lindsay, four defensive coaches, and informed all of them they would not be returning to the coaching staff next year. He said uh, in a statement, I want to thank each of these coaches for their work on behalf of our football program and our institution during their time here. Decisions like these are always difficult. We do not make them lightly, but they're made with the best interests of our program and our student-athletes in mind. Basically, uh, LSU, Brian Kelly saying it's all the defense. All the defense. So now he's got a lot of positions he's going to have to fill on that staff. Oh, yeah. Uh, 46862. And, of course, they got to replace an offensive coordinator who just bailed out of LSU and headed to to Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So got that spot to, to fill as well. Um, 46862, if you want to win those tickets, Raiders is what you text us today on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Raiders, R-A-I-D-E-R-S. You'll get a chance to get four tickets to go see Wright State take on Purdue-Fort Wayne. Huge, huge Horizon League game coming Saturday at 1 o'clock at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. You could be sitting in the suites. We've got a four-pack of tickets. We'll give them away Coming up later in the show to somebody who texts us Raiders to 46862. Indiana taking on Nebraska tonight. Another road test. You know, I thought last night was going to be closer. Credit to Purdue. You know, I said that every road game is going to be a challenge. And, uh, man, Purdue just took care of business like Purdue can. I mean, they, you know, fed Edie. They worked inside out. They got some good looks from three. They hit their three-point shots. Uh, They really played well on the road. They ended Maryland's 19-game home court winning streak. Purdue hits 9 of 20 from beyond the arc. They somewhat limit turnovers, just 12. And for Purdue, that's not a bad number. But but the thing that maybe is concerning is that 9 of the 12 were committed by either Zach Eady or Braden Smith. And the ball is in the hands of those two probably more than anybody else. Um, but, um, you know, Braden Smith's got to do a better job taking care of the ball, but 12 turnovers still not a super high number. And, uh, they didn't force a lot of turnovers either. Maryland, I think only turned the ball over like nine times. Uh, but Maryland is so aggressive and plays so hard at home. And in fact, that came out in the stats as well with the 15 offensive rebounds by the Terrapins. And that's inexcusable for a team like Purdue that does have such size on the front line with with uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren, with uh, Caleb First, with Zach Eady, with Mason Gillis. They should not be giving up 15 offensive rebounds. And, of course, I didn't even mention Zach Eady. He's almost like take him for granted as far as his size. So that would be something uh, that will be a bit of a teaching point for Matt Painter, the 15 offensive rebounds that Maryland got. But Purdue pretty much controlled this game throughout. 
and uh, ended up beating Maryland by double digits last night. Indiana takes on Nebraska. It's kind of interesting. When you look at Nebraska's stats, it's almost like you're looking at Mastodon stats. You know, one thing that I say quite a bit about the Mastodons is their offensive balance and how they're so hard to defend because you can't prepare for any one player because they've got four guys that average between 12 and a half and 15 points per game. It's the exact same for Nebraska. They've got four players that average between 12.7 and 14 points per game. And so, you you know, who, who do you pick? Pick your poison, so to speak. Uh, so Indiana's going to have to be tough defensively. They're going to have to guard the three-point line better than they've guarded the three-point line because at home, you don't want to get Nebraska on a roll and get that crowd into it. Uh, Tomiyanga, is that his name? Kese Tomiaga. Tomiaga. Uh, he's a guy that can certainly get hot. Oh, yeah. He's only been hitting 33% of his threes this year, but we've seen him uh, go on tears. So uh, not an easy one for the Hoosiers tonight at no, Nebraska. No, Nebraska's actually a minus five on the line right five now. Five-point favorite. Yeah. That's telling you what uh, what Vegas thinks about these two basketball teams. Uh, Xavier Johnson, hopefully. I don't know if it's been announced whether he's in or whether he's out yet, but... Uh, I know yesterday when we talked to Don Fisher, he was hopeful that Xavier Johnson was going to return to the Indiana lineup, along with Khalil Ware. Um, not sure what the status of that is, if it's going to be a game-time decision. But uh, you can listen to Indiana basketball tonight against Nebraska at WoWo 92.3 FM. That's only on 92.3 FM, WoWo Radio. And, of course, Don Fisher with all the action here on our sister station tonight. Uh, 46862, anytime uh, you got questions, comments, or suggestions, we'd love for you to text them to us. 46862 did have somebody that texted us on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line and said they were heading down to Indianapolis for tonight's Pacers game. And the timing was perfect when we talked to Scott Agnes. They got a little bit of a preview of what to expect, learned a little bit more about the Pacers. So, uh, they sent us a nice little text, and we appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Have a lot of fun <clears throat> with your son and your grandson at the Pacers game, and appreciate you listening on the 1380 The Fan app, where anybody can listen to the show wherever. Yep, there you go. And if you miss the show, you can always catch up because we've got our podcast. And, in fact, uh, a full lineup of podcasts here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You can go to 1380thefan.com and get the full list of all the podcasts that are available. But if you miss anything on our show Download our episode for free and uh, make sure you subscribe and do all that stuff. It's totally free. Uh, and you can find us at Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search for us, Sports Rush with Brett Rump, and uh, and you can catch up with anything you might have missed on the show. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to talk to the play-by-play man of the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Taylor joins us next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. And, of course, we have just minutes remaining for you to win the four-pack of tickets for the Mastodons Wright State Raiders. A Ryzen League basketball game coming to the Allen Cutter War Memorial Coliseum on Saturday. A 1 o'clock tip if you'd like to win the four-pack and sit in the suite at the Coliseum, we've got uh, a chance for you to win. Just text Raiders to four six eight six two, and uh, we'll we'll draw somebody probably twenty twenty five minutes from now. So it's kind of 
Last call. That brings back some haunting memories, hearing those words. Uh, all right, let's uh, get to our next guest. It is kind of last call for the Indianapolis Colts, too, because uh, coming up on Saturday, uh, under the primetime lights, the Colts and the Texans, a winner as a playoff spot. A loser goes home and gets out the golf clubs. Matt, uh, I imagine you're not ready to start golfing, especially since you live in Indiana. No, not at all. I, I don't play golf. I hate golf. I stink at golf. <laughs> uh, I am not ready to hit the links at all, to say the least. So <laughs> I love your I love your last call analogy. That is absolutely perfect because you know, the lights are about to come on. You're either going to go to a different bar, go to a different club, continue the night and the after party, or, man, the lights are going to come on and you're going to be left with uh, – <laughs> You know, some slim pickings in terms of, of uh, I mean, we, we all know where I'm going with this, all right? So that's, I, I'm, that's, You got that's, me a little nervous about where you're going with this, but yeah. We, we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. So you don't want to have some harsh realities come about, uh, yeah. I don't know, 11 o'clock on Saturday night. Never works out well when you pick a date at 3 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, where the Colts are at. You know, first, I want to go back because... A lot of times you get to this stage and you're thinking of the what ifs and you go back and, of course, NFL officiating has been under the microscope a bit, especially with what happened with Brad Allen's crew last week and that Detroit Dallas game. And and I go back to what happened with the Colts, but most of the nation probably didn't see the play at the end of the Colts Browns game. Uh, But I think that's almost as costly at this point, because that that decision might have cost the Colts a playoff opportunity. But uh, as far as the officiating, you see it on a weekly basis. Does the NFL have a problem? How big is the problem if they have one, and what can be done to solve it? I, I don't I don't think so. I, I, I typically am someone that I'm not a big officiating guy in terms of, of, of getting on refs. I, I really don't think it does. In, in terms of the broadcast, let me put it this way. In terms of the broadcast, it doesn't really, in my opinion, now some other people might disagree, I don't think it really does any good to harp on officiating during the broadcast and, and whine and complain. I don't think people want to hear that, to be honest with you, because I think, for the most part, officiating kind of evens itself out. And I, I really do think these guys are really good at their jobs. The only problem is, and and... Maybe it is a problem, maybe it's not, depending on how you look at it. But I think some of these mistakes have come, obviously, into some high-leverage situations. Um, now, that being said, you know, at the end of that Cleveland game, those were horrible calls. <laughs> those were terrible calls. And did they have a direct uh, impact on the outcome of the game? Yeah, they did. But guess what? So did other, you know, so did 55 other plays in that game before the last, you know, four snaps for the Colts in the fourth quarter on offense. So, you know, I'm not a big get-on-the-officiating guy because I think for the most part, again, um, these guys are really, really good at their job. I mean, people would not understand the process, uh, the the funneling-up process it takes to become an NFL official. It's not like they're just like, you know, it's not like they have like sign-up crew on on April before the draft and they say, does anybody want to ref for the NFL this year? Like, no, you have to be really, really good, and you have to know the, the, the rules of this game, you know, backwards and forwards to have this job because weird stuff, like we've seen, have come up. Um, it's just unfortunate that, 
you know, m- mistakes which are made by human beings uh, in these positions are being made um, in, in, again, high-leverage situations that are costing teams games. Um, but, again, I think most teams will tell you, like, hey, we had seven or eight other plays throughout the course of that game that we could have made that would have taken it out of the officiating's hands um, you know, in order to win these football games. So um, that that's kind of where I'm at. I, I really don't think, you know, throughout the course of a game, me complaining on air about the officiating does anybody any good because I think there's enough to complain about in this world. The last thing anybody needs is the radio announcer complaining about officiating. Because I think for the most part, it does kind of balance itself out. Matt Taylor joining us here on the Sports Rush. Let's look at this uh, matchup against the Houston Texans. First of all, from a health standpoint, uh, the only concerns, if I look at today's injury report, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, what's the status of those two? Yeah, same thing. I think as of right now, um, you know, this team's in good shape uh, going into this game. Now, the big one's going to be tomorrow, right, because everything is sped up a day. So, you know, tomorrow's practice report is going to be like a Friday practice report, and that's when you're going to get the designations of questionable or out or doubtful. Uh, listen, I don't know anything about injuries in terms of how guys are, are um, trending and things like that. You know, that's not what I'm paid for because, you know, I, I shouldn't be sniffing around the training room trying to get advantages and, and things like that. But I, I will tell you that in order for Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson to not play in this game is going to be something monumental. Let's just put it that way because, as you said at the beginning of this segment, Saturday's game is a playoff game in the sense that if you lose – you go home. You're done. And so it is a playoff game because you, you can't get in the playoffs with a loss. There is no scenario for either one of these teams to make the dance with a loss coming up on Saturday night. So uh, these guys are going to pour everything into trying to get healthy. They'll wrap it up. They'll tape it up. They'll ice. They'll do anything and everything in order to play some sort of percentage of, of, uh, of healthy out there coming up on Saturday night. So I know that's big because you're talking about two anchors of that offensive line, and Houston loves to play defense, stop the run. You know, they're number two in the NFL, and being able to stop the run up front with their great front seven, they got some great pass rushers, just like the Colts do. So obviously eyeing and monitoring, you know, their availability for this game is going to be enormous about 24 hours from now. Speaking of the run game and the fact that you don't like to speculate on trending when it comes to injuries, but it does appear that Zach Moss is trending toward playing and being available. Uh, is that a fair assessment on my part? No, I, I think that's fair considering he's missed the last two weeks and he hasn't practiced much. You know, he didn't practice at all last week. And so any you know practice time this week is obviously huge. Now, you know, you have to, like, throw in the caveat of, you know, this is, you're talking about NFL players, high-profile athletes, and just because they're out there, you know, trying to, 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 to practice and give it a go on Saturday doesn't mean all of a sudden they can just snap their fingers and they're going to be fine, uh, you know, three or four hours before game time when those decisions are made. You know, the Michael Pittman Jr. concussion deal is kind of exhibit A, although I know that's a concussion and you're talking about brain injuries, and that's always kind of a tricky proposition. But he practiced all week going into that Atlanta game on Christmas Eve and then traveled down south in the plane, and symptoms crept back up, and it just wasn't uh, you know, meant to be in terms of him being able to play in that game. What in the card? So, um, but I do think in terms of Zach Moss, it would be enormous uh, for his availability. Man, the Colts haven't had – it just seems like all year long it's either been Taylor – 
or Moss or Moss and not Taylor. It, it, they really haven't spent a whole lot of time together sharing the backfield. It would be really, really great to see you know all five starters up front get together and both of their top backs be available in the same game, which, again, hasn't happened a whole lot this season. Um, so kind of that one-two punch being available in a gotta-have-it game against a team that loves to be able to stop the run. If you can kind of pry open the run game any way you can with some elite backs with Taylor and Moss, that would be huge for the Colts. C.J. Stroud, how much better is he now than when the Colts saw him early in the season? Man, it's, it's, it's a great question. It really is, and I think he's a lot better. I think he's a lot better in terms of poise and comfort. I mean, he's one of those quarterbacks, and this is obviously going to be you know, a, a duh statement or you know, kind of like you know, Mr. Obvious, but he really is so much better when he's protected and in time and in rhythm. And that was kind of the book on him coming out of college. I mean, if you look at his you know, analytical splits, if you will, between time to throw and percentage when he is protected versus when he is pressured and hurried and flushed out of the pocket, it's just night and day. And credit to their offensive line. For the most part this year, they've given him a lot of time to be accurate and to make decisions. And when, he, when you give him enough time, he can go through his progressions and he can, he can pick you apart. I mean, right now he's thrown for the fifth most passing yards in the history of the NFL by a rookie quarterback. He ranks top ten in passing yards this season, despite missing two games. Uh, he is top ten in completion percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating. Um, this is going to be a guy who's going to be a force to be reckoning with, I think, inside this division for a long, long time. And I think he is so much better now compared to where he was at the beginning of the season when the Colts saw him. Now, the caveat with the Colts is that they saw him in week two, and even then he was pretty good. He threw for 384 yards in that game, almost let a comeback, um, but he didn't have a healthy offensive line in front of him. In fact, in that game, if you remember correctly, the Colts had six sacks in that game. They had two strip sacks and a couple of fumble recoveries, setting up things for the offense uh, with some short fields. Um, four of five offensive linemen for Houston did not play in that game because they were banged up. Now, again, Houston's offensive line, when healthy, when it's fully intact, it's not going to be confused with you know, the, the, the Cowboys from a couple years ago or the best offensive line in the NFL, uh, but it's obviously going to be much more serviceable, and they're not going to have nearly as much pressure allowed uh, to the Colts in this game as they did back in Week 6 because they were so banged up and death was tested um, so much in that game, um, but I think both teams creating pass rush, that's a huge um, you know, focal point to watch in this game. Which team's pass rush can be more effective than the other? I think that's going to go a long way in determining this game because you have two quarterbacks that want to get the ball out fast, quick, you know, in, in rhythm, uh, you know, get the ball into the hands of playmakers. Pass rush is going to be so big both ways in this game on Saturday. Matt, I know you're not a coach, but I'm going to have you put a coach hat on and just think through this with me for a second. If you're Gus Bradley uh, and you're preparing to go against this Houston offense, do you want to kind of create looks or schemes that Houston hasn't seen before? Or do you want to go back to what worked in the first game and show them things that they might have prepared for, but you did well when you played against them the first time? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I mean, I think I think you kind of want to mix it up as best you can. I mean, even though C.J. Stroud is a rookie quarterback, I mean, these guys nowadays, they have seen 
everything, right? We're not talking about, I get it, we're not talking about Drew Brees in year 12 when, you know, he's so smart and so cerebral and he can sit and diagnose and anticipate just about everything. But for the most part, these guys nowadays, they're, they're brought up with a lot more on their plate, with RPOs. I think the quarterbacks nowadays, compared to 15, 20 years ago, are so much more intelligent because they're asked to do more. They're way more cerebral than they used to be growing up. So I think in the college game, you know, that, that part of the offense is, is trickling up, if you will, from college football to the NFL. Um, so I think you want to mix it up as best you can. That's why I say the pass rush is so important in this game. But I will say, too, you know, obviously you know, uh, C.J. Stroud's ability to complete easy passes, get some chunk plays against this young Colts secondary, obviously that's a storyline because you've got two outside corners who are rookies and Juju Brents and Jalen Jones. And depending on what the Colts decide to do in the secondary at safety, they could have you know, uh, Ronnie Harrison, who was a linebacker, then, or excuse me, he was a safety uh, elsewhere in the NFL, uh, brought over to the Colts to be a linebacker as they transitioned him position-wise. Then in a pinch, they moved him back from linebacker to safety last week. So I don't know what the Colts are going to do in the back end. They could roll with Rodney Thomas again. Uh, but Julian Blackman's injury kind of complicates all of that. So last week, it was, uh, again, it was Harrison over, over Thomas. Um, but they've got some some um, you know some some choices to make there in the back end. Uh, but there's no doubt you're gonna, you're, you're going to be very very young, all things considered, all over that secondary. And I think, to be honest with you, for as much as these guys have played, these young corners, I think we we can't even consider them rookies anymore. I think they're more like you know sophomores or seasoned second year players, considering considering the amount of of time and experience they've gotten. So if I'm Gus Bradley, I don't have any reservations of playing press man-to-man. I don't have any reservations of holding anything back from this secondary because they have played a lot this year. Even though they're young guys, even though they're rookies, you know, when you look at the back of their, their football cards, you know, these guys are really, really good, and they've played a lot of snaps this year. So if I'm Gus Bradley, throw the kitchen sink at C.J. Stroud, trust these young guys to hold up at corner and in the back end of the secondary, and then let the kind of you know let let the chips fall where they may because I think these guys can handle it. So don't just sit there and play zone defense. Mix it up and trust these guys to make a play for you uh, by playing some press man to man. When they did that, when they did that last week on Devontae Adams, it was pretty successful. But you know some some will say they maybe didn't do it enough. Uh, kind of the situation of the game uh, depicted you know what coverages they ran. But I think these young corners can handle just about everything if you throw it on their plate. And you'd be surprised at how resilient these guys can be in a big game. Matt, do you have a chance to watch the college football playoffs, those two semifinals the other day? I watched uh, a majority of the second half of the Alabama game, Michigan game. And to be honest with you, I didn't catch much of the other one. <laughs> the uh, I was going to ask the question about Michael Penix Jr. Because the great debate now is what kind of a pro he will be and how high he will go in the draft. And I, I was going to try to just see if you had a comp on him by watching what he was doing. But if you didn't see it, I won't put you on the spot. Uh, looking forward to the coverage, Matt, on uh, Saturday night. Of course, we've got it right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And... Uh, Go Colts, man. That's all I can say. Go Colts. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of Penix, I mean, I've, I've seen enough of him play. I mean, obviously, the, the Hoosier component down mm-hmm. in Bloomington, you know, I, I saw a lot there. I think he's, 
I think he's dramatically, again, I just use the word more comfortable. Uh, you know, obviously he, he transferred out of Bloomington and went where he was, you know, really comfortable in terms of scheme and, uh, you know, the, the, the coaching situation out there in Washington and Kalen DeBoer, uh, it made, made a lot of sense. Uh, but again, everybody's go, when you're talking about draft picks and projections, it, it's always a crapshoot. I mean, Again, most people didn't see C.J. Stroud being this good. I mean, people thought he would be good, but maybe not this good this early. But I think if you go to the right situation, I mean, it can kind of fix all of that. And hopefully that's the case here, you know, with Anthony Richardson and the Colts. Uh, But Michael Penix is uber comfortable with the scheme and his offensive coordinator and his coach and Kalen DeBoer um, when, when they were all together with the Hoosiers. Now the big question is, what does he look like when he goes to a pro style offense? and doesn't have that security net in terms of, of the coach and kind of your mentor being there at your, you know, at, at, the, at your right-hand side, if you will, every step of the way as you progress and grow towards being a good pro. Matt, appreciate you. Have a great call on Saturday. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. That is Matt Taylor joining us here on the Sports Rush. He is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. You'll hear his play-by-play coming up Saturday night right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. And uh, Caitlin Clark, yeah, got to tell you uh, what she did last night. Also, Chicago Bears, we got a question on the text line. We already were planning on talking about what the Bears are doing moving forward and the decision that they've got to make, especially since right now, by way of uh, Carolina, the Bears holding on to the number one pick in the draft. What do you do with it? We'll uh, debate that, too, when we come back. It's a sports rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump and Adam Lundy trying to get himself comfortable into the throne that he sits in to run this show each and every day. (laughs) What's going on over there? You're bouncing up and down trying to... Well, as you know, my throne is missing a wheel. Oh, okay. So it doesn't roll very well. So Yeah, so instead of uh, pulling it up to the counter, you were bouncing. Yeah, I kind of... To try to bounce it up to the counter. Pogo stick it a little bit. Yeah, that's what you were doing, uh, bouncing it up and down. I was wondering (laughs) what you were over there doing. Um, Once again, uh, we've got the four-pack of tickets for the suites. Now, we have sent a text to our selected winner, but he's got... uh, he or she has like seven minutes to respond, and if they don't, we'll pick someone else. So please check your text if you entered today's contest to win the Mastodon's tickets against Wright State coming up uh, Saturday afternoon at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum because you do have to reply with information within 10 minutes to be able to be today's winner. And uh, we'll wait and see if we get that. Now, here's the thing. Uh, tomorrow, more tickets. Four tickets in the morning. Caleb and Kenny will have tickets to give away between 7 and 9 a.m. Also, we will have another four-pack of tickets tomorrow afternoon to give away. Uh, Who we got lined up on the show tomorrow? Coach Kaufman is going to join us. Yep, we'll get a preview of Saturday's game uh, against Wright State with John Kaufman. Uh, In the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have Destin Adams to preview uh, the Colts taking on uh, the Texans on Saturday. And we'll have uh, Eric Dukevich to join us to talk some high school basketball as well. Yeah, big-time high school basketball on Friday as Northside visits Wayne. It is a key boys contest in the Summit Athletic Conference race. And I will be there with the play-by-play. 
And then after the game, I will join Dute and Adam at the Wayndale Pizza Hut for the Parkview Sports Medicine post-game show. It's the PSM Game of the Week, Northside at Wayne. Boys basketball, 740 coming up on Friday night right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Last night, uh, she continues to amaze. She continues to break records. A 40-point night for Caitlin Clark. She had 37 with a tie game on the final second. And she stepped back from 30 feet, and this is what happened. Are they going to get the ball up in time? Clark for the win! She does it time and time again, the 40 piece, and walks off with the W. Now, did she call that shot 40 feet? I think she said she walks off with the 40 piece. Oh, okay, the 40 piece. That's right. She had 40 points. And hit it from, I'd give her about 30 feet, roughly. Give or take a foot. I mean, she was eight, eight, seven, eight feet behind the three-point line and dropped in a long three ball that you could hear actually swish the twine as it went through. Uh, a perfect swish and won the game. Caitlin Clark probably will be a, an Indiana Fever player next year. Hopefully. If she decides to forego a extra year of eligibility, thanks to COVID uh, at Iowa, uh, all signs are pointing toward her. I didn't realize this. Her boyfriend lives in Indianapolis. Oh, uh, okay. All right. That's the, you know. That's the deciding I factor. love that. Uh, somebody in Indianapolis was smart enough to figure out who her boyfriend was and make sure to hire him <laughs> and get him into Indy. <laughs> He actually was in Indy before the uh, lottery. So, but, ah, that's all right. Yeah, but he works in Indianapolis. So, I mean, how can she not come to Indianapolis? Plus, she's a Midwest girl. Uh, so, uh, to me, it, it makes sense that she would join the Fever and leave Iowa with uh, that extra year. She's done everything you oh, can yeah. do in college. I think she's ready for the next level. Uh, among all-time college greats, we asked this question earlier. Do you put Caitlin Clark on your first team, your starting five? I say yes. I think you've got to. Now, I can think of a lot of really great college players, but, uh, you know, the, what she's doing as far as she's averaging, what, seven rebounds, she averages seven or eight assists, she uh, scores... 20-some points a game. Yeah, and I mean, she's working her way up the NCAA records for all time on a lot of those stats, too. So it's very impressive. 3,000 points in a career. Uh, I don't think, you, and I, I don't know if I would say, hands down, best to ever play the women's college game. But I think if you took a starting five, I think she would she would be there. I have to agree with that, yeah. All time. Uh, so, so we had a question about the Chicago Bears, and I had this on the, the show sheet as something to talk about because it looks like Matt Eberflus is going to come back and be the coach of the Bears next year. Looks that way. I'm a little surprised. I know the Bears have have played better in the second half of the season, but again, what has Matt Eberflus done with the Bears that's made you think this is the guy that's the long-term solution and answer especially if they go to another quarterback. Now, the Chicago Bears have a tough decision. They've got Justin Fields, who seems to be developing, while it might be slower than most Bears fans would like. It does look like he's improving. 
But, it, you know, you, you take a real risk when you take a shot at a rookie and you take a draft pick and bring them in. Look at Bryce Young in, in Carolina versus C.J. Stroud in Houston. You've got night and day. And yet most people had Bryce Young pegged as the can't-miss quarterback coming out of the draft, other than me. You're, <laughs> now, come oh, on, yeah. now, admit it. Yeah, I'll give you credit. I had C.J. Stroud. Uh, I like Stroud, and most people didn't. Most people, in fact, some people had Stroud as the third-best quarterback. But um, but I like Stroud. I thought his size was more suitable to the NFL uh, and Bryce Young has struggled in Carolina. You could say that he didn't have the pieces around him, but what did C.J. Stroud have in Houston when he joined the the Texans? I, I mean, mean, yeah, he still doesn't have that much. There's I a mean, reason they were drafting second and third in the draft. Yeah, uh, and so um, obviously uh, you take a risk if you're the Bears and you don't take the quarterback. I mean, how many times do you get that number one pick, especially when it's a trade and it's someone else that had to suck for you to get that number one pick? <laughs> yeah, I, I personally would move on from Fields. There's a lot of talk about him maybe going to Atlanta. I think that would be a good fit. Uh, I, I think that uh, that would ultimately be the best choice. And here's the main reason why. Justin Fields going to have to get paid. Okay, because he's going to he's going to run out on that rookie deal. He's going to have to get paid. That completely changes and flips what you've got as far as uh, available salary cap. And you draft a quarterback and it seems to be a very talented quarterback class, obviously. And Caleb Williams at this point is considered to be the number one guy. I'm still not sure I wouldn't take Penix. You know how I feel about Penix. I, I think he's terrific. I think he's a generational talent, to be honest. I mean, just the way he throws the football, his accuracy, his uh, calm demeanor, I think he's just a quality leader, a quality quarterback. I know he's got the the injury history, but uh, Caleb Williams, more of the athlete-type guy, the guy that's probably more of a Patrick Mahomes-type player, more of a slinger that's going to run and scramble around. But uh, I think the Bears would have to make that move. They'd have to go to a quarterback. They're holding a number one pick for a second year. Um, you know, I, I think they've they've got to make that move. So in my mind, uh, the Bears will go with a quarterback. Fields will be on his way. Bears fans will grumble about it until the new quarterback comes in and performs well, hopefully. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. It's time for a final timeout. We'll come back, wrap it up. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Indiana Hoosiers taking on Nebraska tonight. Hey, it's not on Peacock. How about that? Yeah! We get to actually watch some Big Ten basketball tonight. Isn't that annoying when you go to watch a game, you sit down and you pull out the remote, you hit the guide button, and you say, okay, let's see which station the Boilermakers are on tonight. <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, no, it's not on there. Let's try FS1, no. Um, Big Ten Network, no, can't find them there. And next thing you realize, Peacock. Peacock. Didn't get to watch uh, the game. Had to listen to the game last night. But tonight, IU versus Nebraska. And uh, if you happen to stumble away from your television set, we do have uh, play-by-play coverage on our sister station, 
92.3 Whoa Whoa Radio, Don Fisher on the call of Indiana Hoosiers basketball. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have men's basketball coach John Kaufman from Purdue-Fort Wayne. We'll also have Destin Adams from A to Z Sports talking Colts football and Dute to talk high school basketball. Big thanks to our guest today, Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files and the play-by-play man from the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor. Hope everybody enjoys their Wednesday night. We'll catch you tomorrow, 4 to 6. More Macedon's tickets with a sports rush right here, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.